to the Jim and Joe show. Tonight we got some uh, scorpions crawling around on the table. So uh, we're just uh, maybe trying out a little of that red can uh, beer. And uh, tonight we got a special guest. Uh, G-Man's coming, checking us out tonight on the Jim and Joe show. Really glad to be here. Hey, 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 where we talk about the strange and unusual in the current events. Current events, current events. We're going weird. Hey, James Kirk here. Hey, yeah, hey, welcome, answer to the show. Uh, round of applause. The crowd loves you. They sure do, man. Sir. <laughs> you, uh, you know, a fellow colleague, a fellow thinker yeah. here on board today. I at least try. Um, hey, listen, try we're talking think. about the debate, the 2020 debate, Biden, Trump. Man, There's a lot to unpack there. You talk about if there's one word, you know, to kind of wrap it up, chaotic. Answer your thoughts. Uh, chaotic, it, that might be a, a term to describe it, but I felt like it was a controlled sort of, um, like there was reason behind some of the madness that we saw. It, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't random. And, uh, you know, I came away from it with a certain feeling afterward that there was some silver linings that I took from it as a whole. You know, there's a lot of negativity about it and, just the the sort of you know the super bowl kind of layout for the whole debate you know they had kind of pitting the candidates against each other like it's some sort of boxing rank and trump took advantage of that and that's fine we'll talk about that but you know that said i, I took a lot from it i was my minds were changing on a few topics yeah i mean it, it was one of those things where you know they kept interrupting each other mm-hmm. the moderator had no control no he did a terrible job if you ask me well, but you know there's a, there's a it's social propriety to speak to people in a certain manner, and I get that. But when you're on a stage like that, it's set up really not conducive to that. And so I don't mind that they behaved a certain way, and probably one of them a little bit more so. Um, it, you know, in a sense, with the mo- touching on the moderator, I think he tried to rein it in a little bit. You know, he, he interjected, and he got his, his point out, even if it took him five tries. Um, but at the end of the day, like, if you're just a couple guys talking into mics, you don't have any way to silence somebody unless they're going to take it to the scale of, well, if, if Trump gets out of hand, we're going to hit the mute button. Well, you and I don't think anybody wants that. When you do the two-minute segments, I think you do. I think that's one way you, you contain Trump, right? Because yeah. Trump was over the top. But that was his game plan going in, Manser. We, you know, most people don't realize about Trump. They think of this out-of-control guy. A lot of people do. You know, super confident, all that. But there's a campaign team behind him mm-hmm. telling him what to do and how to win this election. And they're brilliant in, in what they do, and they're really good at that. Uh, sort of, I, don't know, so I think some would say you're kind of exacerbating these kind of built-in flaws in the system that we run. <coughs> you know, like uh, they talk about packing the court with conservative justices and never getting another progressive on there that's going to upend any you know, long-standing tradition policy-wise of our legislation. But 
you know, and then the Democrats do the same thing and, and talk about packing the court with extra judges. So it's like 15 instead of, what is it, nine? Yeah, I don't know the so numbers. to get around the fact that now it's they're going to have a minority for the next 50 years with for the long foreseeable <laughs> future. But we're going off on a little bit of a tangent there. Joe, how did you feel about your boy Trump's uh, presentation in the debate? You know, you say my boy. I Look, man, my uh, the thing that I have in mind the most is what's good for the United States of America. And I don't care if it's, uh, you know, who it is that's leading the country as long as they're doing the right thing. So in this case, it happens to be Donald Trump sure. that's gotten more done. So yeah, that's fair. You know, whether people want to agree with his policies or not, you can't deny that, you know, he had one of the best economies, you know, before COVID-19 hit. And, uh, you know, black unemployment was up. Uh, <coughs> Hispanic unemployment was up. I mean, you know, there's been uh, quite a, f a few things that the guy's done. I, I feel like that he's gotten done. That's really going to help, mm. <coughs> excuse me, inner city youth, you know, and, and inner city people. Yeah, so, you know, starting up the debate, I, I kind of, I watched it after it was all done, and I'm just firing it up on YouTube, and I was probably starting to watch it a half hour after it ended, and I really had this feeling going into it, it, it was like exciting, I don't know if it's 2020, and there's just, there's less sports on TV, and, and people don't do as much, and we don't really live in as exciting, as tumultuous as the political landscape is, and there's a lot of kind of, you know, and I don't mean this in, in the traditional sense, but there's a lot of exciting news out there. Uh, people aren't doing as much. And there's, there's not a lot of sports being played. The NBA, I mean, I, I guess that's going on. So this really felt like a Super Bowl with politics, which <laughs> and, and I was excited for it. And I kind of went into it, and, you know, I'm not completely 100% abreast of all the issues and intricacies of different points of view, and I just kind of, I'll change my mind all the time. I'll, I'll change my mind about something that I think one day, and I, I change it the next day. If someone Absolutely. made a point of view, and I, I usually am pretty objective, and I actually listen to people, and I try to him out and I changed my own mind with that way um, but no I I, I really felt like it, I got a lot out of it in the sense that I kind of put facts aside to start it and I was watching it not through that lens because I knew that there'd be bullshit on both sides there always is and then the fact checkers come out for each side and it's like they're keeping a, a scorecard and it, instead of the, the valid points it's made it's like who, who, who lied the most you know but the American people don't really care about that right now. And I, and I get why. I understand that there's a lot of political spin on both parties. It's easy to kind of get desensitized uh, to get having stuff spun in different directions all the time. So you just stop caring and you stop listening critically. So it was kind of, it was, it was nice to be removed from that perspective of, oh, I'm going to, you know, is he lying? What is he saying? And I really just paid attention to the composure of both people, uh, their a speaking ability, and really what I'm calling the fire in the belly. And I didn't really... I was really disappointed in Biden. And I was almost kind of disappointed in the Democratic Party. You know, for years, there's been, you know, the, the right calls it a witch hunt. The left's trying to bring justice, whatever you want to look at, like the impeachment trial and, and finding all this dirt on Trump, whatever, so-called dirt. And, and they have this kind of narrative that we were, we're faced with trying to take out of office, according to the, the you know, the left, the worst president of all time. Horrible for our country. Yeah. He's doing, you know, you listen to him, he's like, he's doing things, and, and it's it, it's against the law, but, I mean, is it against the law? He's he found a way to arrest All the stuff that he's done is just the same thing that prior Democratic presidents sure. have done. Fair enough. and But moreover, you know, in this sort of, like, we're heading into the apocalypse sort of mindset that they have, 
and Trump's leading us that way, we had four years to prepare for that. To, I mean, for that stage, that last night, you had four years leading up to that to find a viable candidate that's dynamic, that's going to appeal to the people and be able to, you know, even get voting numbers up. You're going to inspire people to go out and vote in larger numbers. Or maybe you can change some minds that are more, you know, you're not going for, if you're the left, you're not going for the guy on the right, but maybe the guy in, in, in the center or just left of center that's a sway vote or maybe doesn't care enough about it, about it either way to vote. And that takes a certain sort of appeal to the to those masses that uh, Biden just didn't. He didn't have it. You know, maybe his own base that's keeping scorecard they agree with the shit that he was saying, but they're the ones that you've already got them. Funny, so I, I mean, think it's a huge <coughs> failure in that sense, and the I Democratic Party to to you know bring to fruition the, these promises that they've been making mm -hmm. of taking basically uh, Satan. You know, and I think in their perspective, you could liken it to that out of office, and they they completely failed. And if they're re if they really stand behind that mindset. They, sh they just should have done a better job. And I think they had ample time and obviously all the resources in the world to do so. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was the best that they could possibly come up with. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty shocked as well. And I mean, just in the sense of debating, there were better options. Oh. And I know that's not the end of the day what makes a good president, but I mean, well, we all win. know that. You got to win to get the seat. At the end of the day, Joe Biden will not be the actual. He, he might have the seat. He would be, you know, elected president, but he's not going to be the one running the country. And so that's just not going to be happening. And so everybody knows that. And everybody knows that Joe Biden is like super senile. And basically the, it, what they're doing to him is, is abuse almost, I think. It's like, geez, making oh, this guy. Bad. I feel bad for the guy. Even, you it's know, just too I, much. Maybe I'm reading into something that's, that's not there. But I almost felt like I'm just watching Trump. And I almost felt like some of the time when he finally brought himself to shut up and he just look at Biden, he almost didn't want to be doing that. But maybe he's compelled by some larger moral obligation. I would hope, you know, uh, if it's just like purely mechanical, what's going on behind the veil, you know, in the, the inner workings of Trump's mind, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to attack because I'm a predator. That's a, that's a different thing. But I, I think I saw a little bit more to it than that. I don't know. I could be imagining. Well, that, that was the game plan, though, right? I mean, to get to paint him in a corner, to get Biden in a corner, to get Biden on his heels. Because, right, Biden kind of falls apart. Well, at least he has in the past, but um, it was like watching a boxing match, and you've got—you know—it's not physical. I mean, it kind of is. You talk about some of his energy levels, but it was like watching—you know—Roy Jones Jr. and how he duck and weave and kind of hypnotize his opponent. And Trump's shifty, man. He's shifty. <laughs> and, and Biden went out there like you wouldn't be able to come up with an apt example, you know, in the boxing stage because usually by by the time guys reach that level, they've got to be a certain adaptness. Absolutely. I mean, in my opinion, you know, here's the bottom line. Uh, in three, whatever, and a half, four years, uh, Trump's gotten a whole boatload of stuff done, helping all sorts of different people from all walks of life. And, you know, so Biden's just been talking about what he's going to do. I got one he's complaint. Been in office. You know what I mean? People talk about the economy's going great. This, and and that, that's fantastic. I can see that. You know, everyone understands that uh, up until the pandemic, and that's uh, that's nobody's fault. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, we can talk about the lab in Wuhan and, and whatever. But you know, the, the pandemic aside, the economy was doing really well. The one the one trend that that I think is a little bit startling is that it, in this great flourishing economy, homelessness for the first time in I think like decades had gone from a downward trend. 
the less we, you know, less homeless people each year, and two, increasing all of a sudden. And there's a very marked point where that, that trend starts to emerge, and it's after 2016 when Trump took office. And I think there's something you could in interpret there in the data that would, would make you maybe start to question overall wealth in the whole system's one thing, but when the, the machine, the, the, the way that they're acquiring that is putting more people out on the streets homeless, you can blame addiction, you can blame the, but that was all around 10, 15, 20 years ago too, as those numbers were declining. And, I, and I'm not an economist, uh, so I can't really understand maybe the inner workings of how that, that, that would present itself, but it, it's real, you can look up the statistics. I think honestly it's drug use has gone up like crazy, you know what I mean? I Especially mean, lately, before during yeah. the pandemic. I mean, before the pandemic, you know, with record numbers of people high on methamphetamine and heroin use has been making a huge comeback. Uh, especially Heroin's here making a live. comeback, guys. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, it's, our it's, old buddy. <laughs> it's not a joke, there, bub. I mean, you know, yeah. The no, I'm just joking. There was a time, a long time a ago. You know, I, I am quite a bit older than you, so there was a, a time, quite quite a long time ago, when yeah, there was a big thing going on, and it was very popular in certain areas. You know, all the kids were doing it. All the kids were doing it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it, it's you know. I forgot where I'm going with this. Well, drug, so maybe drug use was on the rise, and that was just purely coincidental to the, the spike in, in homelessness that we saw in 2016. Right. So it's not necessarily any fault of the economy that we were building. But I think there's another another set of numbers we could probably find. I don't have them in front of me, but just look at maybe where the money's going. I'm capitalist. I get it. I'm not trying to, you know, the people, communism is such a buzzword. Uh, and it's so easy to kind of devolve into tribalism. I'll put labels on everything. And, you know, the good guys, the bad guys, the commies. <sighs> We've always lived in a country where the more money you make, the more taxes you pay. Mm -hmm. That in its sense is, is sort of a form of wealth redistribution, which is a tenet of communism, I understand that. But that's just where we've been. Right. Um, more so if you go back to like the 50s and the 40s. You know, there's a way larger tax for people that were in the top one, two, three percent, relatively speaking now as a percentage. Mm -hmm. um, and we've gone away from that. And I think with the big tax bill that, that Trump enacted where, you know, all of a sudden businesses pay like 20 percent or something like 21 percent instead of 28 percent, which it had been out for a long time. The trickle down effect. I mean, when's it going to kick in? When is it going to affect the streets? I mean, is it just drugs? Because, I mean, uh, drugs have been around for a long time. People have been using all kinds of hardcore drugs. And yeah, we got stuff like, what's that that thing that's synthetically made in China that's like you take one hit and it just, you overdose? Well, the issue is, is when it is cheaper to make stuff in China, you know what I mean? Instead of opening a business fentanyl. out here, depending fentanyl, on what yeah. it is. There's, there's some new shit out there for sure. Depending on what's going on, you know what I mean? That that would be the reason, you know what I mean? But, but that's just one complaint. Uh, we can't, we're not going to figure it out tonight. Otherwise, we'd probably be running for office. But I just noticed that. <laughs> yeah, I, homeless, I was kind of surprised. Homeless though. problem. I, d I didn't know that was a thing. But uh, I was like, we got a homeless problem. That's I mean, it's huge. Yeah. If you, if you, in our community, if you go down the right, I say the right, but the wrong streets too. I mean, there. I, I've been in Eugene my whole life. And I know that homeless people have always been a problem. Panhandling is probably the same as it always was. But there's camps the size of I've never seen, and I'm not saying it's like Skid Row. It's nothing like Skid Row. That's just hell. But there is little tent cities and going on there, and with just tons of drug and use, and you can do. Yeah. What do you do with them? Well, I, I think mean, it's a choice, right? In yeah. a lot of situations, it is it's a, choice. a choice. 
absolutely. Sure. And I think there's a lot of young people. It's like, you know, they just grow up with this weird stigma against the man or whatever you want to call it. And they, they just they feel okay with that lot of violence. You know, and they get trapped in there. But I, there's also families out there with children living out on the streets, you know, and I and yeah, they can get food. It's pretty easy in, our, in where we live. You can just get government assistance. You're not going to starve to death. You can go to a warming center. You're not going to freeze to death as long as the numbers are, are there and there's enough facilities. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm seeing it more locally. And then the statistics bear out that nationally it's on the rise too. You know, but there's been a record number of jobs, people been picking back up. And, and, you know, especially for us, I mean, we were really lucky, you know, and, and the type of, uh, you know, industry that we're in, we, we were lucky and we got to continue working. And, you know, so we're actually really blessed as far as that's concerned. So You know what I don't see? And, and I could be wrong because I'm not everywhere all at once watching everything, but. I'm, you know, I, I, the part of town I live in, it's like every, every, literally, I'm not exaggerating, like every two blocks there's a church. You turn on the next street, two blocks, another church. Literally, like I, I, I drive by about five churches on my way to work. And that's great. I love to see a community go to church. I think we need more people practicing faith. I think that that's got positive net benefits yeah, to any, any civilized society. I would agree with that. But I don't, I don't know that there's like a push at that level, like let's go out and help the homeless. I don't see home. You know, when the, when when people are getting evacuated because of the wildfires, parking lots in those churches. No, parking lots in those churches were full of people that they yeah. got nowhere to go. Yeah, but there were people going there and giving donations and really trying no. to help and out. And that's great. But that doesn't. Why is that? You know, ha- neighborhoods are burning. Those people need somewhere to go. That's great. That's the that's the system working outside of politics and government aid. To help the poor, which is, it's kind of one of the tenets of, I mean, I, you could say it's one of the tenets of Christianity. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the, I see a lot of that movement with for uh, the homeless. But I'm sure it's there. And, and I think they probably refuse a lot of the, a lot of the help of the overflow. Joe's calling for a break, so we're going to take a quick break. Let's but, hey, it. we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Jim and Joe Show, where tonight we have G-Man. It's a good radio voice. G-Man's been going off tonight, and, uh, you know, hey, with a lot of really good stuff. And I've really been enjoying his opinion, and so we're going to let him finish up. Uh, Jim, where were you guys at in the conversation, my friend? Well, we were just talking, because Glenn, uh, I mean, you've been, Whoa, on, you've, Glenn? you've been on the left. I mean, you've been uh, down with... Biden. I mean, he's been a candidate for you. Look, I, I've voted both ways. I voted Republican in the past. I voted. Dem- Who was that guy that ran against? Um, Kate I Rath- would say you're left of center. Yeah, moderate to left. I don't know. Boy, I don't even need to put a label on it. You I'm know, just pe- saying. If I was to say, and that's perfectly fine. At one time, I was left of center, and so I, I get it. It's, I'm just saying you're fine. talking to someone that's voted actually for Democrats and has voted for Republicans in different situations. 
I don't care what party they're from. If they're doing the right thing, I'll vote for them. 100%. But I, I did come out of it with more respect for Trump than I had before. Part of my complaint with Trump was uh, a lack, and I'm not trying to take up too much airtime, but there is a sort of a lack of, uh, at least the way I, I saw things, of competence there that I saw a deeper level, and I feel like into his psyche that I'm like, oh, okay, he's like, he's smart. He, people say he's crazy. He's crazy like a fox, you know. And so, there, so there was that. I had a question for Joe though. So the one thing that that Trump had kind of called Biden out in response. At, at one point, you know, it, they're talking about BLM and Antifa and, and white supremacists. And the moderator, what was the moderator's name? I forgot. Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace, yeah, Wallace. Okay, Fox News guy. But he did. I thought he did a good job. And he, you know, Wallace asks Trump, "Can you? Will you come out and condemn these white supremacists that are showing up at BLM protests and just kind of like, you know, maybe being rebel rousers?" And Trump, he he said, I he kind of quickly said, "I condemn everything," and, but there's still a little bit of resistance. He mentioned something about the Proud Boys, and he told him to like stand back and stand by. The, they loved that. I heard him say something where he was like. You know, he goes, what do you want to call them? And, th like, I, I don't know if he was confused about who he w who in particular they were talking about. That could be. You know, I kind of felt like that. Like, maybe maybe they were talking about the Proud Boys, and he, you know, was like, you know, he disagreed with that. Or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because the, I don't believe the Proud Boys are white supremacists because they got, you know, a Cuban dude and, you know, they got some other, you know, sure, brown dudes sure. in there uh, in part of their group. They're just I wouldn't agree. I don't. I mean, I, I, I would agree with you in not agreeing that they're white supremacists. Yeah. But I haven't also delved into that. I'm just an idiot. They're not. And well, no, I got listen, bits and pieces I'm trying to put together. I haven't really studied Here's this the whole thing, thing, man. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in Los Angeles, and there were true neo-Nazi groups around. There were kids that were around that shaved their heads, you know, and... They were no joke, and they were all into Adolf Hitler and, you know, uh, right wing and stuff like that. And uh, I never adhered to that or was down with it when I was a kid. You know, I was the kid that had long hair and was riding my skateboard around, and uh, yeah, those and guys and wanted to beat me and up. And I've never <laughs> met, I, I, at least knowingly so, I've never met a white supremacist, and I don't know. And I think there's this idea that you know, some of these groups that are way, way left or way right, radical are maybe a little bit more prevalent than they really are. But then the, the, the question I was leading up to is that, it, that when the ta shoe was on the other foot and Trump had asked Biden, I think Trump was the one, not the moderator, that asked him to condemn Antifa. And then Biden's response, and this should rile maybe you guys and Joe up, I don't know. But Biden's response was, uh, Antifa's not a group. It's an idea. He's saying that it's not an organized group of people with top-down direction and, and motives and goals they're trying to attain. He's just saying it's this loose, kind of nebulous idea that's out there. No. And maybe, like, these punks show up, and they, you know, they call Antifa, you know, like the old anarchist thing. It's like everyone that puts an anarchist tag on a train car, you know, graffiti. That's not necessarily a gang. He was likening it to that, and I never heard anyone say that. I always thought, like, okay, it's, it's a group that's out there. You know, you hear conspiracies, like, start wildfires, and, you know, whatnot. Joe showed me something really interesting, what, yesterday? You type in www.antifa.com, and where does it go, Joe? It goes right to Biden and Harris's campaign where you can donate. Uh, I'd have to know, like, who runs the server it's hosted on. There, there could easily be more to it. That could be a subtle They bought up that domain because it 
it was towards their directive. Yeah. I could. Uh, oh, yeah, let's find out who owns the building. That's what there. I'm saying. That Biden and his know. camp saw that that was available at some point in time and said, we're going to buy that domain so that it redirects to our site. That's crazy. Yeah. That's uh, a bad political move. And terrible. Oh, it's horrible. The reward's not worth the risk. No, because... Which makes me think that that there's more to it than that. But if that is the case, then, yeah, that's just stupid. But a lot of the thing, I mean, my complaints with the way the Democratic Party's run is they, they, I mean, they fucked up. A lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah, it, it's just really too bad with, with how the radical left, though, has been. Th- the media is all left. Uh, let's just be honest with that. And when you have all this destructive behavior going on with these riots, like you have to condemn that. And the, the left side has kind of been scared well, to say anything and about it. That was another point of contention in the debate when that, that was brought up. And, and Trump saying, well, hey, Biden, why can you, can you unequivocally come out in support of law enforcement? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, it almost kind of like it, it's an easy question to answer. You say, yeah, I'm all on board with the police. But he kind of drug it on like he was reluctant. And, and Trump even and it's funny because Trump, he, he laid the bait and made it so obvious what he was doing. And, and he even said ahead of time, because you're beholden to these left wing, you know, pr- super progressive, super left, you can't at because ri- you'd risk a- alienating, fracturing your base. You can't come out and support support of law enforcement. So will you do that tonight, Biden? I think is how it was phrased to him. So it's like he's laying the bait, and he's telegraphing his, his next move, basically. Totally. And Biden still, and it, and that just you know, it's one of those things. That I that's don't classic Trump up. move too. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the most insane thing is, is that he you know couldn't embrace our police, our protectors. I mean, the people that keep us safe. If, if it wasn't for them. We'd be living in this lawless, crazy yeah. country. And, I mean, yeah, we have our Second Amendment. It would be like the Wild West but it was an shooting awk- it up in the streets. It, it was an awkward silence when Trump's listing all these police unions that are in support of him. And the military. And, yeah, and, and he asked Trump, well, I think the military as a, gov- as a government entity can't really endorse a party. But, he, but maybe you could say that a lot of veterans. There's, there's a lot of support, yeah. Yeah. And then he turned. He, he asked Biden the obvious question, like, "Have any police unions backed you so in opposition to me?" And it was awkward silence because he can't no. answer that. He can't say no because it's like, okay, you look like an idiot. Well, if you if you <laughs> sit there and put www.antifa.com into the search engine and it pulls up Joe Biden, what does that tell you about Joe Biden? We, but we don't. Yeah, but we don't know who owns the domain yet. No one's figured that out. So that could easily just bear with me. That could very easily be, in going with this strategy that they have in the Trump campaign, be a very underhanded, borderline genius manipulation where they do that. They buy the server. They take it out, and then they direct it to his, his website as a way of creating more you know, bad well, in this instance, it would be fake news. If they would have shut it. that down. They would have shut that down. Why would they? Can. Why would they go know. right to a page where you can donate you instantly? Can. I don't know. Where you instantly? They want your money. Nobody in Antifa has money anyway. Who? No one's out there thinking that these punks out on the street that haven't had jobs. They've been out there protesting for four months, rioting. I don't know. I'm man. not talking about BLM. I'm talking about Antifa. No one thinks that those guys are. are they've got the fucking purse. To dump money into the campaign, that wouldn't even begin to make sense. If I'm at a, like a hearing for the campaign, people are coming out like, "Man, we need to drum up some money. Let's hit up these like 18-year-old kids out there that have been, uh, you know, 
lived basically homeless for four months, going out every night <laughs> in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get a lot of money out well, of that. Well, did you see that thing about so Ilan Omar's, uh, Omar's campaign? Uh, there were members in her campaign that were doing the ballot harvesting thing and paying people to vote and, you know, all kinds of stuff, paying yeah. for ballots and... There's a lot of janky stuff going on up there so in Minnesota. Election fraud. That's yes. what was a big yeah. topic Huge. in the debate here. And Trump, I hate that. Uh, listen, I like Trump a lot, but he kind of set up his own demise there just in case. If things don't work out in his favor, it was the election fraud, well, that's, mail-in that's, ballots. That's the he, game plan. And, you know, I could talk about an all, another cons- fringe kind of, I don't even know if it's fringe, but another conspiracy where it's like, you know, all these stories people are citing about, like, you know, we found seven ballots just on the side of the road. It's like, and they all have Trump's name on it. <laughs> like, buddy, at, fa- at face value, I'm like, who are these fucking, these idiots that can't, like, find a way to make sure seven pieces of paper never get, just put them in a shred box. It's a sensitive, so I think there, I mean, there's credence to the theory that that it's in and of itself could be people that are working on the right. And they all had Trump's then, name on and it. And then it just conveniently gets found out, and then it runs on around the news, and then you got his base saying like, yeah, we buy it. It could be, there could be ballot fraud. And they're just going off one little piece of it, probably false information. But that's like with anything, you know, any time like a certain story starts, you know, I don't want to go get too long-winded with this. But it, the news has a way of kind of, um, you know, taking events that don't necessarily happen that often and make them seem like they happen a lot more often. You could look at the ballot thing like that. You could look at um, police brutality that way. Of course, every time we're in a big country, the police are going to fuck up here and there. Does that happen where you live that often at all? Well, I, I would probably say where we live, I, I can't think of an example where it wasn't justified. But the news is going to exacerbate that, even though it might not. E- so it goes both ways. You know, it it, ra- it radicalizes the, the left, and it might get more people out there protesting and for maybe turning out to polls. You know, they, I think you could say the same thing could be happening on that. On know. voter fraud, huh? Yeah, on voter fraud. Absolutely. And, I mean, he made a, a serious point. Like, he looked in the camera and was like, there's voter fraud going on. And, yeah, I don't know if they really found his envelopes with Trump's name on it. Well, how, I don't even get how that was. I'm wrote. sure they did. Seven. And maybe there's a couple more instances that have occurred and there's more. But Could you imagine a scenario in where somehow Trump loses the election and not – and it's like – well, that's where, where, where it was actually stolen. That that's you know that's honestly probably yeah. Either going way, if he wins or loses, because even if he wins, I then don't. What about the vote? What about the voter fraud? I don't think there's a situation where Trump can lose office. Period. I think inevitably, even if he lost the vote and he lost lost the electoral college, college, there's a chance that because of this notion of uh, phony ballots. Mm-hmm. They could go to the courts to decide which ballots yeah. count. And I think and Trump happens, might make well, sure that happens. Well, yeah, and the Supreme Court, I mean, we're getting another justice up there that's probably <laughs> a little bit right of center. Yep. It's got all the, and it, you know, it's brilliant. It's well, she's an originalist. System. She's an originalist. So she's going to, you know, adjudicate the same way Anton Scalia did. You know, that's that's the way that she is going yeah. to, you know, Process law, and I'm not a, I'm not opposed to that originalism. You know, no, I, like, I like that as a core ideology. I think that's that's great. 
there's a you could say something to you know the the idea that a lot of the the founding doctrines are maybe a little outdated in, in some cases you know and you find that with anything that was written a long time ago the bible's got stuff in it that's you know we don't do nowadays you well know. the beautiful thing about her is is that she completely destroys the feminist narrative because here's a woman that has seven children with two adopted from Haiti and uh, I mean this is, uh, how does she find the time I mean and then her husband has a busy law practice as well I mean th these are some good people she's a devout Catholic you know they're good human beings uh, that want to protect the integrity of the Constitution in the United States of America she is you know what I mean and I think sh mm -hmm. that she's an excellent choice to replace RBG Hey, let's face it, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was an awesome person and an awesome judge. And I mean, she broke down, you know, barriers and, st and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, was revolutionary in her time. But, you know, uh, we can only go so far with uh, progressivism. And there gets to a point where you start infringing on other people's rights in order to maintain or get, you know, new rights for new populaces within our republic. And so their job is to kind of try and navigate the laws to figure all that out. And I think that, you know, this new judge, Amy B Coney Barrett, is a great choice. And, yeah, we're going to have uh, a majority. And, yes, Roe could be... Uh, in jeopardy as far as uh, where do you, you know, lie on a that? national you know I, I think that honestly <coughs> I don't like abortion I'll be honest with you I don't like it but I, I think that it's necessary sometimes right I don't think it should be yeah, so I don't want to meet the guy that likes it <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> Uh, no one likes, you know. And, and well, there. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Some people are a little more liberal about it than others, sure. and yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's like an oops kind of moment. Totally. You know, a baby's not an oops. That's a human life, and so there need it needs to be a little tougher. There, there might need to be some counseling that needs to be done. And if you're an able-bodied human being, I don't think you know that baby has the right to life as well it's a human 100 percent, and a, a deeper problem with the 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 way that you know a lot of the funding that comes for abortions whether it's from some sort of government health care plan for people that need it that are usually more and uh, probably more likely to get themselves in a situation like that where they need an abortion i don't know that to be a fact but i, I can i can speculate that's coming from government well, where does the government get the money it's taxes well so you're basically saying that as a whole, the money out of the pot's getting paid by all the tax dollars. So, well, who pays taxes? A, a lot of people that don't have beliefs that necessarily vibe with that. So should they, should they, should, like, if I'm like a staunch, I don't know, like Baptist, I, I don't know, hardcore Christian, Catholic, whatever, and I'm against abortion, should my tax dollars be supporting that? No. And, I and don't think any tax dollars should be supporting it, and that's the part I have a problem with. I don't like, you know, entities like Planned Parenthood and they're chopping up babies and selling parts and it's just disgusting. And I mean, some of these laws that have been passed recently in some of these, you know, Democrat-run cities and states uh, where it's almost like infanticide. And it's just, uh, what are we seeing? It's disgusting. What have we become? 
when you look at these types of things, there, uh, there's only one reason why they would want those types of policies, mm. and it's pure and totally for population control. And that is it. And they want to have the power to control us that much, you know, how much of us there is. And just make it so readily available, like going and buying a Thanksgiving turkey. Have you guys ever, I think it's called The Island. Uh, have you guys seen that movie? With the Scottish guy? Ewan McGregor. Yeah. yeah. Ewan McGregor, I think yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember if I saw it, but. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm, sh I'm reaching here, but I'm going to make a. A connection. Those are clones, if you know the, the plot of the island. For organs, yeah. Uh -huh. Rich people can just pay all this money and have a clone made of them, so if they need a heart transplant, well, they've got an identical match, because it's them. And the clones don't know it, and, and so there's this question of the morality of, you know, you're creating life, and, you know, connecting that with the abortion thing, it's like, well, imagine a, a civilization, it's not that far away, where they can just farm body parts. And maybe they can change it so like there's not consciousness, there's not birth, but they have these labs set what up. If they could grow you out. a heart or a set of lungs in a pig. Well, at what point is is that life? You know, it, it, you know, in the same way that a fetus, you know, but preterm is life, and it's it's sacred. When it, when is that? When you're you're creating it in a lab, but it's very much the same makeup. It's made out of the same stuff. The well, same that's blueprint. the problem with man is that we have free will and so we're gonna do what we do until we destroy ourselves yeah. and that's what man has always hey, done it's probably happened numerous times before Absolutely. you look at the bible look at the tower of babel yeah they, uh, the whole you, you read but that, it reads like today artifacts have been found in coal how old is coal how long does it take for coal to form millions of years and they found artifacts made out of yeah. metal that is a type of composition that isn't, it's never been used in like our f times. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's completely weird that the, these uh, forms of metal, this, this metal that they use, well, the different uh, combinations that mm -hmm. were used. It's never been used by us. And so it was really strange. I saw like this bell, that was an artifact. I saw some coins. I've seen some really weird stuff that tells me that human beings have been on this planet a lot longer. They say than that what we're led to believe. There's people that swear up and down, you know, in the lunar landing. It was like a lie. It was it was like the event of a lifetime. You know, it's getting broadcast all over the world, and people are watching it live. And a couple times, supposedly in certain places, the feed was cut. And there's people with these anecdotes saying, I, "We saw the, an astronaut bend over and pick up what looked like a a Coca-Cola bottle, like a glass bottle, empty glass bottle of Coke." And then it, the feed gets cut. <laughs> we, we already went to the moon, guys. It was 5,000 years ago. Boy, and there's all these. They were popping Cokes in space. I don't know why it would come out of the bottle. It makes well, no I sense saw when you pictures think about it for of 10 like seconds. big, huge spark plugs that were found uh, in geodes and stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. geodes take a long time. So obviously, I mean, the type of technology that we have has been around for a long time. They've been burning oil and, you know, Obviously, you know, refining oil and turning it into some type of fuel for stuff for a long yeah. time. This has been happening for a long time. But it's just, it's probably a simulation anyway. Who knows? I let, we got to get Kirk to talk about the twin slit experiment. Have you guys talked about that? Did he, are we taking a break or what? No, are we he doing just here? wanted to check on the dog. Oh, okay. Well, 
This has been a great show tonight, and uh, we really enjoyed having G-Man on the show. No, we're done. Extremely <laughs> enlightening, and we definitely have a topic we can go into next week. Uh, I want to talk about the Eilat Lidum tablets and the, uh, the Nazi expedition that took place where they were found in the sarcophagus and what that all means. And I'd also like to get into Zachariah Sitchin, who uh, was one of the people that, uh, one of the individuals that deciphered the tablets, the, sum the Sumerian cuneiform. And so anyways, I'm going to hand this thing off to Jim Kirk tonight. I wanted to thank you, G-Man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Glenn, any final thoughts? Um, AI, man. Look out for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Kirk out.